This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Right. You may have doubted your ears a little earlier, but you heard it right. Adarius Bowman is back in green and gold. 2015 Grey Cup champ with the double E. We're going to break down that and other additions by the Elks later on tonight. Dave Campbell is going to join me. Here's what's going on in the National Hockey League. 2 nothing for the Flames, leading the Blue Jackets with about five minutes left in the second period. Mangiapane has his 19th. Flames in control. They're out shooting the Blue Jackets 34-13. Maple Leafs lead the Ducks 2-1 halfway through the second. Late in the second period, Sharks up 2-0 on the Capitals. And it is Chicago with a huge first period in Detroit. They lead it 4-0. Bruins and Avalanche coming up at 8 o'clock tonight. Oilers, Predators tomorrow at Rogers Place. Of course, it's on 6.30, Chad, 5.30 for the face-off show. And the game will start at 7 as we welcome back to Inside Sports, courtesy Avalon Foundation Repair, Western Canada's leading basement waterproofing company for over 50 years, home of the lifetime warranty. It is Craig McTavish. Craig, how are you doing, sir? Good, Reed. How are you tonight? I'm plugging away. It's good to talk to you again. Uh, man, oh, man, you know, that game last night, we might as well start there. Uh, about halfway through the second, well, halfway through the third period, Craig, I started thinking uh, credit to what the Canucks have been able to do, credit to the, the the relatively unknown goaltender, Spencer Martin. But I was thinking it would have been a crime if the Oilers didn't get at least a point out of that game. Yeah, I thought they played really well. Uh, you know, pretty dominant performance for them, but... Uh, you know the, the Oilers they're they're not getting a lot of breaks especially in the opposing uh net the the opposing goalie generally throws a pretty good game at the Oilers and has been for quite a stretch and you know I wasn't expecting that last night with the inexperience of the goaltender but uh he played very well so you know I'm I'm wondering because there's a lot of talk in hockey really for the last decade plus about the advanced stats, the analytics, the fancy stats, whatever you want to call them. I look at those. I don't talk about them too much because I'm on the radio and I don't want people's eyes to glaze over. If I'm talking about 53.2% to 40s, you know, you know what I mean? But, right. But, but I'm wondering because last night Sportsnet flashed up the offensive zone time in the third period and to that point in the game it was over two to one in favor of the Oilers the shot attempts were over two to one in favor of the Oilers um is was there an advanced stat whether it's the the Corsi or the Fenwick or the zone time or something you and your coaches came up on your own that you really adhered to or that you still believe in well I think a lot of it is uh derived from games like that where you know that you played well you know you did a lot of the things that you set out to do at the start of the game they executed the game plan very well they executed the plays very well but you don't always get what you deserve in this game 
in the short term. Over the long haul, you generally do these things even out. But in games like that, a lot of times you'll go for uh, quality chances. Certainly, uh, I mean, Corsi's, uh, you know, they all know what Corsi is, and they certainly look at that. And you use those measures as a way uh, to justify the, 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 the result that you didn't get. So I, I think, you know, there's all kinds of access to that stuff. The Oilers have the Mahi brothers that do a very good job uh, delivering that those advanced stats to them. And uh, I think there's a time and a place for them. They have to be part of your organization and part of your decision-making and sometimes part of the justification as a coach when you go to your team, and especially a team that's... Uh, you know, needs the confidence. And uh, there hasn't been a lot that has gone uh, uh, their way. I mean, I still believe they're a good team going through a bad stretch. I mean, I I know what bad teams look like. I've coached a few and managed a couple where, you know, the we'd go periods where, you know, we wouldn't touch the puck. And I remember games where we'd play San Jose when they were really strong and the Oilers weren't. And it was just, uh, you know, it was it was a lot different product on the ice than what we're seeing now. And, uh, you know, I just hope everybody, uh, the fans in particular, really appreciate how lucky we are to be able to watch Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl uh, and this team on a nightly basis, there's been, you know, you go to the games and watch the games. There's been so much entertainment in the building this year that, uh, you know, I just, I worry at times that, that the players can get a little uh, overwhelmed by the amount of attention in a city like Edmonton, because it's not a big city and there's not a lot of places the players can go to get away from it that you can in a big city where you can get away from, from, uh, from the hockey when things are going bad. So I think it's really my plea to, uh, to everybody to, you know, give these guys a break when they're going through situations like this and really appreciate how fortunate we are to be able to see these great talents on a night in night out basis. Because to me, when I've gone to the games and I've maybe gone to, half the games, the entertainment value has been there most nights. And then it gets compounded by, you know, crazy people that come down and throw jerseys on the ice and such a lack of respect for the athletes. And, uh, you know, you may have your beef with the organization over time. I mean, but uh, that to me is uh, something that shouldn't be allowed in Rexall Place for sure. And ultimately, it's going to it can be a little uh, overwhelming, I think, for the players. Well, I, I'm glad you put that that strongly because I'm I'm not a fan of throwing anything on the ice or any playing surface unless it's hats after a hat trick. And uh, I, I mean, yeah. it's, I'm going to go off on a bit of a tangent here, but like that Bills Chiefs game is one of the greatest in NFL history, and some clown ran on the field in the last two minutes. I mean, hopefully he yeah. doesn't go to any more. He's not allowed into any more uh, NFL games along the way, you know, but I, I, I like the way you, you frame that uh, and, and about how 
maybe there were some games in which the team played pretty well, but they didn't get the goals. And I want to flash back yeah. to a game last week because they dominated Florida in the first period. And they were still pretty good in the right. second period. So as a coach or a manager, you could say, okay, look at some of the advanced stats. Look at the tape, all the things we did well. But the athlete still knows at the end of the night the scoreboard said 6 nothing. Like, is that a fine line to walk somehow with, with the messaging after a game like that? But that's that's part of coaching, and you have to deliver that message strongly in a way that they can accept because w- when you're going through a stretch like the Oilers are uh, or have been, uh, I remember one year we won the Stanley Cup a year. We lost 10 games straight after the trade deadline. So these things turn around, but when you're going through a stretch like this, I mean, I just... I don't think people, I mean, you would because you're around it. And uh, I'm not so sure the media, sometimes it is not reflected in the way that they approach the players. But it's it's stifling. Like, it's such a bad feeling. It's like the biggest dark cloud that you can imagine hanging over everybody's head. It's just, I used to say when we get on the on the plane after a bad game, it was like the March of the living dead. Like it's just, these guys are highly professional. They take it uh, really to heart. And uh, you know, there, there, there's, there's, there's few things that are as bad as being in a losing environment on a professional sports team, but uh, you know, it can be overwhelming. So as a coach, you've got to be in a position where, you can keep the energy up amongst all this criticism externally from from uh, the the tw- Twitter crazies that you know. To me, Twitter's not really a real place. It's uh, you know, it's where people go to communicate because nobody's talking to them in their family, and it's <laughs> it's it, it can be bizarre. And uh, you know, these guys are all of the generation that they're on it all the time, so it's. It can be it can be overwhelming, but uh, as a coach, you have to certainly understand that. And if you go in there and put the hammer down and uh, further beat on them, then you have no chance. And uh, I think Dave's done a really good job framing this stretch for the team because those and and the one thing I always liked about the city of Edmonton and the fans in the Edmonton area and the fans that went to the game. I mean, they weren't the most vocal fans during the 80s, but they were the most knowledgeable because they'd watch the game and they could appreciate effort and uh, execution and physical play. And uh, I think anybody that knows the game can see that, you know, that we're getting that from this, from, from this team. And uh, they're a team that's, you know, really worth supporting in my mind. They played a great game in Toronto without Connor. I mean, I thought they were excellent in that game. They, I mean, they haven't played too many stinkers the last little while, but I mean, they're they're a bit tight, but I still believe they're a really good team going through a, a bad stretch or just completing a bad stretch. You reminded me of a article I read a few years ago. Bob Costas was interviewed, and somebody asked Bob Costas why he wasn't on Twitter. And he said, well, if I was at a pub having a pint and somebody came up to me and said some of the things that they say on Twitter, I would move to the other end of the pub. 
so I don't want to. So why am I on Twitter if that's how I would act in real life? We're in such a, uh, you know, a, a nasty, negative environment on that social media. To me, it's just absolutely insane. And uh, it's, I mean, I never read it when I was a coach. I never really read the media. I maybe should have. But, uh, you know, then, then you get, you spend the rest of your day trying to get even with somebody that wrote something, then you waste a bunch of time. So I never... As a coach, I never read any of it. And then if you do read it, you take it personally. I mean, criticism is something that you have to acknowledge because maybe you can learn something from it. But, you know, try not to take it personally. And uh, that's hard to do. I mean, that's easy advice to give, but that's hard to do. I feel like we're sort of dancing around what happened last week, which I wanted to move on from, but we haven't talked since then. The, the the Leon Matheson incident, and I know you're close in different ways to both those guys. Um, yeah. What, what did you think? I just thought it was a, a, an unfortunate exchange between both parties. And uh, I, I don't think, you know, from either side, I'm not pointing fingers on, on – uh, at Maddie or certainly not pointing figures at Leon because, you know, I've been in that position before where you've lost a bunch of games. And I mean, that's pretty obviously why you're pissy, but it's, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's not a fun environment. And, uh, you know, that, that was an unfortunate exchange. And, uh, but, you know, you, you, I, I certainly appreciate Leon for, for the effort that he puts in and the skill that he puts forward on the ice. And, uh, I mean, I, I hope, uh, I, I know Jim does too. I mean, he appreciates skill and you need skill to win, but, uh, it was an unfortunate exchange for sure. Yeah. All right. Uh, tell you what, Craig, uh, hang on the line. I, I, a listener called in before the news that kind of brought up a, a point that I think I'm going to turn into a question for you because it was a pretty good one. Craig McTavish is okay. on the line. He joins us every second week here on Inside Sports, courtesy Avalon Foundation Repair. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Western Canada's leading basement waterproofing company for over 50 years, home of the lifetime warranty. Matthew Kachuk scored late in the second period. So now going to the third, the Flames up 3-0 in Columbus. They already have 39 shots on goal. They've been pretty much in control in that game. Craig McTavish joining us tonight, as he does every second week here on the show. So, Craig, before the 6.30 news, a listener named Doug called in, and he said, hey, you know, not thrilled with everything about the Oilers. They got some holes, but he said, you know, I think I'm glad Ken Holland is being patient. And, uh, you know, he had winning teams in Detroit. 
and maybe it's better he's he's waiting for some things to play out and and I replied by saying yeah like it feels maybe later in the season than it is because of all the postponements I mean usually we're around game 50 at this time instead of game 38 and maybe he wants to see how the team looks again once everybody starts getting back from COVID and maybe Hyman is back tomorrow um I mean you had to walk that line patience as a manager and, and even as a coach uh, you know, in, maybe in a different sort of way, but I'm, I'm struggling how to frame this question, but I think, you know what I'm getting at? Like that, yeah, yeah. that balance. I'm, between, I'm thinking yeah. that, uh, and I don't know this, I haven't talked to Kenny Holland about it, but I'm thinking there's one deal that he regrets making. And, uh, I think it'd be the two second rounders for Athenasu and, I don't, I don't know that he would have been firmly behind that deal. I think when we talk about depth and we criticize the depth and we poke holes in the depth, and it's it's true. Uh, when you talk about uh, uh, Edmonton compared to some of the other teams, we're not as deep, but uh, so injuries affect us uh, more. Uh, COVID would affect us more. Uh, but you get that depth in your organization, and Kenny pointed to this when he talked to the media about not, you know, paying for a rental, that we're always, you know, chasing the next level rather than, and it it becomes self-defeating a lot of times. I think the Oilers in the last seven or eight years have uh, traded uh, seven seven second-round picks yeah, and uh, you know that's that that's your depth in the cap era, because those guys are coming through the American League. They're not good enough to start in the NHL, so they bolster your American League team, and they bubble up. And as you know, role players get more and more expensive on your main team. They come up and they fill that. But we've always, I mean, I traded a couple of them too. I mean. Uh, we're, Traded one for uh, David Perron in a deal. I think uh, we lost one for Todd McClellan. We lost one for uh, Peter Shirelli. Uh, Kenny traded a couple for Athanasu. We traded one for Griffin Reinhardt. And we traded one for Cam Talbot. So, I mean, Kenny... <laughs> A less experienced guy would be maybe pressured to do something that uh, it would be self-defeating over time. And so, I mean, sometimes you have to be, you know, prudent in that regard, and maybe you can get something for for a little bit less. But I mean, those seven second rounders is you you look at the uh, the framework and the model that Tampa had, and. Uh, you know, you got to accumulate and build assets, and Kenny knows that all too well. And you've got to have assets. And then when you do have those assets and your assets develop, which they're starting to, then you're in a position that when it's time to put your foot firmly on the throttle, you can do it. And uh, But I don't know whether that's now. That will be determined in the next number of games the Oilers play. 
Yeah. Well, and you know what's what else could have an impact on this season is the next number of games the Bakersfield Condors play because like clearly they want to get a good look at Dylan Holloway and maybe yeah. he gets injected into the lineup at some point. Yeah, it sounds highly likely. I don't know the player at all, um, but from everything I've heard, he sounds like he's exactly what we need. All right, Craig. Well, as always, this has flown by. It's a pleasure having you on the show. Great insight, as always. Are, are you going tomorrow, or are you, are you on TV tomorrow? What's happening? No, no, I'm not. Uh, I'll be watching it uh, from the confines of uh, the McTavish house tomorrow night, but uh, certainly uh, cheering on our boys. And, uh, you know, I'm really happy for Miko Koskinen, too. I think... When the last game I was at, I really thought the fans were getting behind Miko. And, you know, that that's to me, that's fantastic. That guy, I mean, is he perfect? No. But uh, he gives you everything he's got every night. And uh, he's a great teammate. And I think, uh, I think he's, I think Edmontonians appreciate that. And I, I really like the fact that the fans were getting behind Miko when he was making some saves and that would be, you know, a classy move, another classy move from our fans to continue in that vein. Right on. Talk to you soon, Craig. Okay. Thanks, Reed. Craig McTavish, courtesy Avalon Foundation Repair, Western Canada's leading basement waterproofing company for over 50 years, home of the lifetime warranty. Mac T joins us every second week here on Inside Sports. We'll dive into that Elks news as well with Dave Campbell next. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.